Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so excited today to be joined by author William John Rostron, who is the author of the Band in the Wind trilogy. Well, it's a trilogy at the moment. Who knows? He's quite the prolific author. In addition to being in the, have, having written this trilogy, he's also featured in anthologies all over the place. So welcome, Bill Rostron. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Good to be somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for taking the time away from writing, because you write a lot. So yes. I had to pull you away from that computer to come here. Yes, I, you know, it's, uh, it's very relaxing. I do it a certain part of each day, and I enjoy it. And uh, I am retired, so um, I can work my whole day around when I want to write and when I want to go out. Are, are you a, a write-in-the-morning person? Like every day I'm getting in 5,000 words? Morning, okay. Now, I, I'm not a person who says I have to get in so many words. Not a word count guy. It's, I've actually gotten to the point where I'll say, oh, I want to write this much, and I'll be in the middle of a sentence saying, nope, nothing's coming to me now. I'm done. And, and sometimes I'll really get into it and just keep going and going and going. But I, I, I don't like to send quotas. Okay. I, I, I think that decreases the quality of what you get. You get quantity, but you don't get right, quality. Right. Yeah, I mean, everyone's, everyone's different. Some people <coughs> like a benchmark, yes, even, I, even if it's, you know, crummy writing, at least it's something like and that. I, and I won't do it every day. Like, if I, there's days I wake up and say, oh, yeah, I want to do it. And then there's days I say, no, I just don't feel it today. So what made you start as a writer? Tell me what, about your life and, and what brought you to all these books. Uh, what brought me to all those books? Uh, interesting, st interesting story. Um, when I was very little, and I only found this story out about two years ago, um, I had an aunt who told me the story. She said, when I was very young, I didn't really uh, talk a lot. I just sort of sit in my crib and did things. And when I was three years old, they took me to an amusement park. And I didn't run to the ride. I ran and looked under the carousel. And, the, and you know, my mother's going, what's wrong with this kid? And my grandmother says, no, he's thinking, looking. And, and I said, wheels. And she said, you know, he's tr he wants to know what's going on more than he wants to be on it. And I realized that was the story of my life. I, I, I do a lot of things, but I love to watch and observe people, events, things that go on. Eventually, what am I going to do with it? Well, I started writing. And first I wrote, for 30 years I wrote nonfiction. I would write educational articles, things like that. And then when I started writing fiction, I, the stories, I was trying to think of what to write. And it ended up, I started taking things that had been stored that were, had really happened. If they weren't interesting, I changed them. 
<laughs> and I said, well, it's fiction. I can make it anything I want. Absolutely. So I sort of titled my writing as things that happened, things that didn't happen, and things that almost happened. <laughs> I, I, and at this point, do you even know which, is, which no, category? No, no. <laughs> not when you get to my age. No, no. Uh, there's a, there's a, a point in the, uh, in the author's notes at the end of the book where I said, a lot of this story happened, but of course it's a fictional story. And I said, the trouble is, I saw all the things through the eyes of a child, but I'm remembering with an old man's mind. Mm. So, but when it's fiction, it doesn't matter. Doesn't because, matter. So basically, this book and the ones that follow right. are written as uh, based on some real events. Um, it, and and I, I, you can't give away too much because it's sort of a middle climax in the middle of the story where right. something happens. That really happened, the, the middle climax. And, and after that point, there's four people that I never saw again. And I, I never knew what happened to them, and I couldn't find out. So in the 30 years after, I would create in my imagination mm. what happened to right, them, right. why it happened based on the story. And um, it, that's what it became, I, yeah. I, I, this imagination of what happened to it. Right, right. It's based on a band, a okay. band in the 60s that is on the verge of success. And something happens to them. And as the cover says, it was, it was a coming of age, a coming together, a coming of tragedy. And after that tragedy, something that really happened, I never saw them, always wondered what happened. Right. Um, and so I created the story out of it. Right, right. You and filled in the blanks. Yeah, I filled in the blanks with make-believe, <laughs> which is what fiction is. And maybe it's true? Maybe it's true. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really enjoyed it because it was like reliving those moments again. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, um, I found that I had a natural uh, following in people who remembered the era, the era that right. I wrote about. I had a natural following with musicians, mm -hmm. a natural following. The story takes place in Queens with people from Queens. Right. But yet as it expanded, I was getting comments from people on four different continents who were reading the book for just the story. Right. Um, you didn't have to be a musician or from Queens or have lived in the 1960s right. to enjoy it. Um, I was getting it from all over. And, uh, <clears throat> and so there are three of them. And, but interesting, because in a sense it is a trilogy, but you can read the first one and stop. It's not like to be continued. Right, right. You can read the first one and stop and say, oh, okay, I enjoyed that story. You can read the first and second and stop and say, oh, I enjoyed the story, and you could go on to the third one. Right, can you read the third one? No, you couldn't read the third one without, <laughs> just because you wouldn't. Know anything. You, right, I mean, right. I, I try to recap. Right, right. And I do do it, that if you read the book, you could pick up the recap. Yes, but, yes. You wouldn't want to start. You wouldn't want fresh. to start in book three, no. which is good that you you know start right there on the cover, the final chapter. So let's right. not get to this one first, folks. <laughs> right. Uh, the only trouble with that is I started another chapter. Okay, so the final chapter is no longer the final. Well, chapter. it is the final. <laughs> it's a, it's a peripheral story of one of the characters. Gotcha. I okay. said, but I I. I didn't know what to call it because a trilogy is three books and it would be an oxymoron if you had a fourth book with right, a trilogy. Right. So it's sort of like in the family of books. Oh, well, I like 
that in the family of books. Yes. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like in this case, I guess it was a prequel, The Hobbit with the right. Lord of the Rings trilogy. I mean, there is a trilogy, but everyone talks about the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit. Right. <laughs> It's like that extra book. Right. Um, I don't actually know if he wrote it first or possibly. He did write it first. Second. He wrote it first? Yes. Okay. And then he said, wow, there's a lot yes. more story to go here. Yes. You know, but maybe there's, maybe there's more. So, right. And there's more. Right. <laughs> yes. And there's more. That's fabulous. Yes. So tell me about the adventure of writing the book. Research. Did research mean playing a whole lot of old records or... Oh, it was, that, that's actually how it happened. Um, about 10 years ago, I, I was laid up with a medical condition. And uh, so I was rehabbing by doing a lot of walking. And I would, I would walk, and I'd have my iPod on, and I really am into, like, classic rock music. And I'd be listening to it. And I had the idea for the book, um, but hadn't started yet. And every time I'd hear a song, it would give me a tidbit of the plot. Right, right. Uh, I mean, uh, not connected to anything else. In my mind, I had a middle, and then I had an end, hmm. and then I had a beginning, but I had nothing, no way to get there. So I'd listen to the songs, and the song would give me an idea of a whole scene. In the end, those songs actually became part of the book. Um, the book is told from the point of view, uh, well, the opening, the opening lines of the book are that a, a journal washes up on the shore in Key West um, in 1990. And someone finds it, and it's a journal written by someone who hasn't been seen in 23 years. Um, and the journal is, 20, is 1,500 miles away from the last place he was seen. And it starts off by saying, they're all gone, they all died, but I've never told my story before. And he proceeds to tell it in this journal. And in the journal, he's telling it bit by bit. But he, tell each, each journal entry, he titles with a song nice. about what he's going to talk about. A song has come to his mind. Um, that, that's actually a part that's based on reality, too. Right. I've been doing that my whole life. This song means this. And when I write, a lot of times I do that, I write something. and. I'll title it with a song title and maybe a, a little phrase from the song. Well, in the book, he, he's, he's not crazy, but he thinks he has this imaginary person he calls the music doctor who he thinks inspires him to give him the title of what he's going to write. And because he's all alone, and um, he, he will write in the journal, hey, music doctor, what do you think about this? Now, he knows he's not real. It's just right, he doesn't right. have anybody else to talk to. <laughs> Um, and he's constantly looking for the song to entitle things. But um, it, it, it was, it's, it's a very interesting device. When I first wrote the book, I had like 200 of these journal entries. With, and I gave it to some of my friends to read. They go, I like it, but there's this way too many. I mean, I'm getting caught up in the titles. So I ended up cutting out half and combining them and things like that. But um, that was almost like a a hobby within a hobby because finding just the right song mm. after the fact because yeah, most yeah, yeah. of them this the song gave me what to write but sometimes after the fact I go oh gee this is this seems a separate song and I'd have to try and think of it uh, research hours on an iPod 
trying hey. to find the right song. Nice research hours right. on an iPod. But uh, I really enjoy it. In fact, I even got back to it with some things I'm doing now is um, with the cold weather, it was hard to get out, but I've been walking and, uh, and for the last six months, a lot of things are coming back again. I'm going, nice. oh, that song makes me think of this. That makes, and, that, and, that's and thus what led the extra the, book. That thus the extra book, right. Right, right. Um, I had forgotten, get back to your roots. I had forgotten how well that was working for me. Right, but that, right. that was the process. I mean, um, years ago, like I said, I wrote nonfiction. I had three kids. I was working, sometimes teaching three different places. And there, there's not, no time for anything more than something short. Mm. And so I would write um, articles for my union newspaper, or I had uh, articles put in Newsday and, okay. and things like that. And, uh, but that was the extent of what I could do. And then it was, it was always a thing, taking this was a big chunk to, to do. And right. uh, I, I guess it, you, when you get time, you, you do it. And uh, I, I guess maybe that illness was something that helped because it, it inspired me. Okay, I'm going to do it. You did it. You did it. And, yeah. and I love that you're going back to, you know, not that you hit a block. I mean, you have three fabulous books here. But it was when you went back, like you said, to your roots, how you were inspired with right. those first things, going back to, in your case, the music. Right. Which brought you back. So many people ask me, you know, I'm stuck. I want to write. I don't know what to write about, or I'm doing it and I'm stuck. You know, the, the proverbial what do you do about writer's block question. And, and that's a lot of what you're going here is, you know, what got you going in the first place? It, sometimes things just come in the middle of the night. I, I, I've been writing for the Red Penguin collection, and uh, there's times where I'll, that they get, it's a right, it, they all have a theme, as you right, know. Right, right. And there'll be a prompt, and sometimes it'll just sit there and stew in my head for days, and then three in the morning I'll wake up and go, Oh, this is what I could do. And of course, I know if I go back to sleep, I'm going to forget that. So my wife will go, what are you doing? And I'll be in another room taking notes. I just thought of this. I do you sleep with a notepad next yes, to your bed? Yes, I do. No, actually, I have to take it into another room because I don't want to wake her up. But, <laughs> but yes, and uh, I do some of my best writing while I'm asleep. Nice. Yes. Yeah, well, the, the, who, who is it, the philosopher, who said that our higher conscious is when we're asleep? Right. It's our best everything. We should just stay asleep. Right. <laughs> we're I'm at there. our best when we're yes, asleep. We yes, should just yes. stay there. But then I'm glad you mentioned writing prompts because, you know, writing, it, your, your brain is like a muscle, and especially the part that's creative. Right. And you're, you're writing this series, but sometimes it's good to step aside and write something completely different. And the great thing about a writing prompt is somebody else told you what to write about. Right. I mean, the, um, it's fun. And again, uh, I ha I, especially in the winter, um, there's a lot of free time. Right. Uh, you know, in, in the nicer weather, I'm out gardening or doing things like that. Uh, but with the six months and, the, and um, being cooped up with the cold weather when it's really cold and I can't do things, um, you, I find a tendency that I'm writing more. But yeah. I'm writing now, I said I'm, I started writing the fourth novel and I started writing some short pieces and I started waking up an anthology of, 
Nice. And but then I sit there and I go, which one do I? I, I actually get confused. Like I don't know which one should I finish one or work on all of them at the same time. It's, it's I guess whichever one is flowing, right? Right, and it's funny because I, I mean, if you have no deadlines, I mean, some no. people have a you know somebody no. shouting down their back for a and, deadline, and and that is yeah, I have absolutely no deadlines, yeah. and uh, sometimes I have to give myself some like okay, finish this in six months, right? But I, it's the first time in my life I haven't concentrated on one thing, and uh, in fact, if I go to my web my on my website. Um, I have an example of the fourth novel, mm -hmm. and I have an example of the anthology, the prologues of both. Right, right. And I ask, if you go on my website, pick which one you which want one me to I finish should be first. Writing on. <laughs> which one do you want me to finish first? Well, you know, it's funny you say that. It's, it's kind of like you have unbelievable talent and freedom. Oh, thank you. And having all of that freedom, now you're saying, somebody, tell me what to do. Right. <laughs> it's too much freedom. Tell me what to do. Well, because I was, I was in, they're both very different, and I'm enjoying both. And I do do both, but I find that, you know, when you get in a mode, you. Right. Um, the, the, uh, I don't know if I explained it enough, but the other book is an anthology of things that have been published. Right. Um, and a lot of them are in the Red Penguin collections now, but uh, some of them were in other anthologies and were put on stage. Nice. And, um, that must be exciting, seeing your work on that, stage. Uh, that's what inspired me, actually. I mean, the book, the book had been, the book, first book, right. had been sitting. I, I wrote the book and said, oh, that was fun. I put it aside. I wasn't going to do anything with it. Right, right. And a friend of mine, we got to talking, and I said, let me read it. And he pushed me. He said, you know, you really should get this out there. So I was getting it ready to the final stages, but still that final step of, of doing it. <clears throat> and then um, I came in contact with this group, Visible Inc., and uh, they were looking for submissions of 800 words. And I picked a tiny section of it that I thought would fit independently. And then I actually changed it to get it down to 800 words. Different characters did different things. And they accepted it and put it on stage. And, wow. and the person who read it had been in Cats and, and The wow. Kiss of the Spider Woman. And he was reading it while they were sort of acting it out in the background. Right, right. And I said, only 12 people got picked to do that. And I, I mean, to see my own words right. read and acted out on the stage. And I had that done the next year was the, uh, I had another one accepted and right. that will also be in it. And then, um, and then they called me up and said, would you please do something about the pandemic, about people being in, and last, last year, um, I, they, I wrote something, right. and the actor, Victor Garber, who, it's funny, it's one of those guys I know, but I never would have known his name if I didn't see it. He's a Tony and Emmy nominee. He read the piece on wow. an hour streaming show. When he read it, I go, did I write that? It's, you know, because when a professional reads it, it sounds so much better. <laughs> and uh, I, it, it, you know, those kinds of things inspire me to do more things. That's and fabulous. so I, I take all these short pieces of different parts of, that have happened and put them in. And uh, 
Yeah, like I said, uh, things that happened, things that didn't happen, things that almost happened. And in your head, they're all the same at this right. point. Right, at this point they are. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> they're, ju they're just there. Um, I, seriously, though, I actually got to the point where I've had this conversation with so many friends who've read the books, and we're referring to the, like, a, one of the characters is somewhat based on my wife when she was a teenager. And the, and my friends are calling her by the name in the book. As oh, really? Joke, as a joke, yeah. Because yeah, in yeah. the book, it's Maria. And they're like, oh, so what did Maria do today? I go, they know. But it, it's <laughs> funny because um, it's all been changed. And most of the characters in the book are based on three, four, five people. Right, right, I, composites. Uh, a composite. Yeah. Uh, especially the villains because I, I actually have... The place where it happened and the time where it happened, a lot of people are on a Facebook page where the book came up. And, ah. and it actually sold a lot of books because people said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, this really is, you know, this is, was our childhood and things like that. Right. And they'll say, But who was that? <laughs> it wasn't a, you know, it was a real person. It wasn't a real, I mean, yeah. I could tell you who it was mostly. For example, there, there's a very important character in seeing there's a, there's a bully in, in the show in the show. There's a bully in the book who um, has a very important part of the role. In fact, they're two brothers who are bullies. And um, at a certain point, something, the, the, one of the bullies suffers brain damage um, because he's huffing glue. And he, he ends up um, having the abilities of a young child. Now, that didn't really happen but yet there was someone that for most of my entire childhood when I was at the schoolyard where a lot of this takes place, there was someone who was not a bad bully, but he was a big shot. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, the girls loved him. He was good looking everything. But I would always see him with huffing glue. Wow. I mean, daily. And four years later, I remember seeing him and he was barely able <gasps> to put together a sentence. So in real life, it was a slow process. In the right. book, I made it a one. It happened right, yeah. at a certain time and has a, is a pivotal point of the book of what happens to this character, Tony. Right. Um, so people go, who was that really? I go, who wasn't? I didn't know anybody that that happened to in one day, but. Right, right. But somebody you did know. Right. Well, you know, that's, they always say when you're wanting to write, write what you know. Right. You know, draw from, you, you've had this full and colorful life, draw from it. But again, that was the problem is when I tried to draw, when I tried to make it totally, I got, like at first my, my barrier was that I was making it too true. Right. And when right. it was too that. true, I was getting bogged down in details. And somebody said, well, I don't need, like for example, there's a scene where the band plays in Central Park in front of 4,000 people. And I'm getting down to what they're wearing. And mm. I'm going, and I'm going. oh, and they had to decide between wearing all the same like the Beatles or different. And it was on for pages and somebody said, Nobody you, cares. You don't need that. Right. And I said, yeah, you know what? Because it was real, I was trying to describe it. Right. And there were, and there were people who said, oh, I love those kinds of books. I said, well, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't like to read a thousand-page book where everything is described. Right, right. And so I had to go back. And it was really almost a year-long process of really tightening it up. Tightening it up. Um, because there was a lot of description and things like that. And then the funny thing is 
the wonder of computer. I could take out the pieces, put them somewhere, and later on, I go, oh, I could use that here. Right, right. I and I put it in one of the short stories or, or things like that. Yeah. I'm loving this. We're talking about your books, but you're actually giving an entire workshop on creative writing here. Oh, you know, you. <laughs> write what you know, write the book that you want to read. Well, you know? <laughs> I, I was a teacher for 35 years. And yeah. I, I taught elementary school, middle school, high school, and college. Um, when I taught elementary school, uh, I taught sixth grade for a long time, and I... Um, I would try to really get books that would interest the kids, and I'd try to, you know, here's the hidden meaning, here's this, and so on. And um, some of the stories they were giving us to read weren't working, so mm -hmm. I sat down and I started writing my own stories. I would never tell them I wrote them. Right, right, right. But I'd hand them this flyer, <clears throat> this, uh, like, three-page story, and we'd read it. And I'd say, so what do you think the author was trying to say here? <laughs> I love that. Never told them. Right, I right, mean, right. they still don't, unless they're watching this, they still don't know. Um, Someone's watching this saying, I thought so. <laughs> and and it was it was beginning of my fictional creative writing. Right, I would, right. And I wrote, and in fact, one of them is going to be in. Fantastic. It started as the one that's in the next Red uh, wow, Penguin wow, collection. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was always interested in what was the hidden meaning behind what was yeah, written. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, you know, when you're writing, unlike people who are writing nonfiction, I mean, if you strictly write what you know, you're writing a biography or, right. you know, you're writing a memoir. But if you're mixing, it happened, it didn't happen, I think it happened, it should have happened, it could have happened. <laughs> the, the best quote I got is when I was, when I was doing the, um, the, the staging, I was okay. talking to the artistic director. And he wanted to read some of the whole book. And he said, um, this isn't a memoir, is it? And I said, no. He says, because no one will read a memoir unless you're famous. I go, and I'm not famous. Right, right. So I said, so it so isn't a, a memoir. memoir. It's, it's, I took things that happened. Absolutely. But and that's, added with you know. it because, and I, I realized that was so true. I said, there's a lot of people I'll read who write, who write um, self-published books, and it's, a wonderful moment in their life, and they wrote about it wonderfully, but nobody cares. Right, and, and those and those kinds of writers and books have a fabulous purpose. I mean, that's great that it's done. It's just a different purpose. Right. And, you know, different different book goals. Right. You know, uh, both for the book and both for the author. Right. You know, yours is. Uh, I, I sometimes tease when people want to write more of this style. Um, you know, you start with a nugget, and you get to, to end the story the way you wish it would have ended. Oh, yeah. Shall we say? Uh, you know, not you the way everybody always likes, though. At the right. end of this book, some people said, I didn't like that ending. <laughs> well, everybody's a okay, critic. Okay, well. Yeah. Everybody's a critic. You well, know I, that. Well, it's funny because I, um, everybody's a critic. I, I, uh, I looked at my reviews once on Amazon, and... Most of them are very good, and I got one that was really bad. And I, <laughs> and I went to look at it, and it's, it said, this isn't the, the, the neighborhood that I grew up in. Oh, it wasn't like that. And I'm going, well, first of all, yes, it was. But <laughs> and, and, and because the, the whole Facebook of people who had grown up, right, they right. go, what were you, in blinders? Did you right, not right. see what was right. really happening? Because there was a lot of violence. There yeah, was yeah. a lot of... 
And that's all part of the book. It was right, right. It takes place in Queens. Somebody with rose-colored glasses. It's funny. It, it takes place about three miles from here, most uh -huh. of the book, in, in Cambria Heights, Queens. And uh, it was during the 60s. Mm -hmm. And the neighborhood, it was the, it was the time of white flight. And in the neighborhood, uh, and I statistically researched it, that 90% that of the white people moved from the neighborhood in a period of five years. Wow. And... I wanted that as the backdrop right. that that there was this struggle. Yep, yep. And um, all right. Apparently, this person didn't see it. They didn't <laughs> see it. Well, your readers did, and I and I thank you so much. Um, catch William John Rostron from Band in the Wind, Sounds of Redemption, Brotherhood of Forever, and maybe more. We'll have to have him come back. Lost in the Wind is the fourth one. Fabulous and Lost in the Wind. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for Once in Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing.